Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. G'day guys, how's it going? You guys ready to be at camp this week? I want to tell you guys a secret. Camp is like my third favorite week of the entire year. Week number one being the week of Thanksgiving, because that is a weird American holiday that I never really got to enjoy as a kid. The second week is the week of Christmas, because Christmas is the bop, all right? And then camp is the third week. I get to take my students to camp every year, and it's so, 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 so much fun. This year, we were in Philadelphia, and it was hotter than a corn muffin pan fresh out of the oven, and we were all dripping with sweat, but we saw some people with their lives changed for Christ, so it was awesome. So yeah, I'm Tim. Um, uh, a little bit about me. I am, um, I'm old now. I'm 30, so I've only got like maybe 15 years left. Um, it's fine. So um, I grew up, I grew up in a preacher's home. My dad was actually a missionary to Australia, which is how I ended up over there. Um, Part of the reason I'm really strange is because uh, we had 84 partner churches that helped us get to Australia. Everyone say 84. 84. And um, I had to visit every one of them. So like I went to a different church every week for like two years. And then we went to Australia and my dad was a part of a church um, over there that was awesome and it was cool. But we're back now and here we are. I have a wife and she is the most beautiful woman in the history of mankind. I'm going to have a better picture for you guys tomorrow. I don't have one today. But what's so cool about her is that her beauty is so much more than skin deep. She is the coolest woman ever. She is into the things that I'm into even when she's not. She supports. She's fun. We have two kids. One's named Tucker. He's four. The bro is a spaz. You are going to see him doing cartwheels all over camp because that's the only way he likes to go from point A to point B. Um, and then I have a freshie. His name's Rowan, and he's like two months old, so he's really boring. He doesn't do anything. Um, but he's cute, so that's cool too. So before, before I get into it this, this, this evening, um, there's something really important that I need to share with you um, that you need to learn, as it were, um, are you guys ready to learn something? That was super unenthusiastic. But the good news is, there we go. The good news is, is that this is, this is like, this is, this is by far the easiest thing you're ever going to learn. All right, are you ready? Okay, here's the deal. Um, my people um, have asked me to make sure that this is spread globally. And so I do this every year at camp. Um, and it is... It is, it's going to be incredible. So hold on to your seats. You ready? So um, there's a tradition um, in, the land, in the land down under where when someone, um, be it at a shopping mall, in a car park, um, maybe, maybe it's at the grocery store, someone were to scream, um, I don't know, Aussie, 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 right? Um, then everybody else in the immediate area loses their, their mind and screams, oi, oi, oi. So I just, to kind of set the tone for this evening um, and to kind of get us all locked into where we're going, I would like us to try that, just to kind of pass that on. Does that make sense? All right, so I want you to like, so I'm gonna say Aussie, 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 right? And then like, as it comes out of my body, I need you to kind of absorb it like into yours. And then I need you all to stand up 
and, and lose your minds. Like, just like, just like go for it. Are you ready? If, if, at least, if at least one of you doesn't hurt themselves, you did not go hard enough in the paint, all right? All right, you ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? All right, you ready? All right, I'm gonna like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. You ready? Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy! Oh, that's awesome. You guys did so good. You, you, know what's, you know what's the best part about that? Some of y'all like overcommitted. Some of y'all overcommitted and you didn't even know if the person next to you was gonna commit. There was a possibility that you were the only one who stood up and screamed that. So I love that commitment out of y'all. That's awesome. So the theme this week is freedom. So if you guys have your Bibles or whatever with you, if you don't, that's cool. We're gonna be in Hebrews. Hebrews is a book at the kind of the end of the Bible in the New Testament. Um, so it, and you, we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 10. So you're looking for a big 10. We're gonna be in verses one through four. Hebrews um, 10, it, 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 it kind of discusses the theme of the week, freedom. What is freedom? What does freedom really mean? What does it mean to live in freedom? What does it mean to live freely? You know, it's kind of interesting because I, I grew up in another culture, freedom is something that is like super, super American. Australians don't have the same kind of freedoms. They just don't. In fact, last I checked, America was like the only country that has a specific set of freedoms that they have. So like if you post something on Facebook in Australia, you can absolutely get arrested if they, if they don't like it. Like that's just the thing. It happened a lot a couple years ago, and it's just, it is what it is. That would never happen here. Freedom, of some, freedom like that is something that's very uniquely American. So to grow up outside of that world and to see it is really interesting. And what we can see just kind of as a culture and as a population, freedom is absolutely something that we value. Did any of you guys drive yet? Right? Like when you got your keys, you were like, freedom, right? I'll never forget the first time I drove myself to school. I almost caused three major car accidents, but I got there and it was awesome. It was incredible. And then on the way home, you know what I did? I stopped at Royal Farms and I got a 44 ounce soda, which is also uniquely American. I was, that kind of freedom is something we value. And you know what? I went out of my way to protect that freedom. I made sure that I did what I needed to do to keep my keys because if my parents found out that I was out there whiling, I would have lost my keys immediately. It's something we value. It's something we chase. When we have an opportunity as human beings to be somewhat more free, we run after it. Like we all remember being in elementary school and being really excited to go to middle school because you get to do new things. We all remember being in middle school and being really excited to go to high school because you get to do new things. Some of you guys are graduating high school this year and you're excited to go to, do college is a whole nother level. College, unfortunately for me, felt like camp for an entire year. I, I got really brutally mediocre grades that year. Freedom is something we chase and we run after. But do you know what I find to be really interesting? Freedom is something that never really lasts that long. 
There's this famous story in Australia that's really interesting, and, and I actually kind of found out about it by accident. So we were going on vacation, and my dad had a 1989 Toyota Land Cruiser, right? And it had been converted to propane. So it was really weird, but it was awesome. We called it the beast. He had big tires on it. He had a winch in the front. He had a rhubarb in the front. We could have hit a kangaroo and just kept going, man. It was killer, right? So we were driving it, and we were driving it through this backwoods town that like four people lived in, right? And they all shared one tooth, and we're driving through this backwoods town, and, his, and, his, and his, his radiator just broke and just started pouring coolant everywhere. So we had to stop, and it being an older truck, we had to wait for the part to come in. So what we did was we pulled into an RV park, we rented a cabin, and we just decided that we were going to just be tourists in that town for a little while. The town was called Ballarat. And in Ballarat, there's actually an active gold rush still taking place. Before I moved to America, they found a $3 trillion, with a T, dollar, $3 trillion vein of gold that ran under the city. And what they had to do was is they had to figure out a way to jack the city up on stilts to get to the gold without ruining the city. And the town of Ballarat is famous for two things. A, the gold rush, and B, the Battle of the Southern Cross. The Battle of the Southern Cross is hyper-interesting. You see, back in the good old days, when you were mining for gold in the 1800s and you're doing it on Australian soil, any gold you found automatically belonged to the crown. Can you imagine you sell all you have, you throw everything in a wagon, you go to Ballarat, you're excited to strike it lucky, and you're out there and you're panning for gold day after day after day and you finally find a nugget that's worth $300, which has been a life-changing amount of money back in the 1800s. And you go to turn it in and the guy's like, hey, um, the king thanks you, uh, have a nice day. And what they did was the crown sold licenses to be able to mine. And the licenses made a lot of money. So what they did on purpose was they printed the licenses on paper that when they got wet, they would automatically be ruined. Well, guess what you are when you're mining for gold? You're constantly soaked. So people would have these licenses in their back pocket and they would find gold. A soldier would come up to them and say, hey, I need to see your license. They'd pull their license out. It would fall apart in their hands and they'd have to turn all their gold over to that soldier. Happened over and over and over again. And finally, the miners were sick and tired of it. Do you know what they did? They grab their shovels, they grab their pickaxes, they grab their pitchforks, they grab anything that you could bludgeon somebody with, and they decided that they were going to start a war right there, a revolt right there in the little town of Ballarat. Well, guess what? The British army has guns, real ones. So they fought, and they fought valiantly, but it was like bringing a plastic fork to a gunfight, okay? It did not work out well for them. A lot of people died. It was really tragic. But the British government took a look at the situation and said, you know what, I think you guys might be onto something. Maybe we're being a little too harsh. So they eliminated the gold license. So I remember they had a Battle of the Southern Cross reenactment that we went to, and it was really, it was, it was cool. We go home, and we're talking to a friend. He's like, oh, yeah, actually, I still pan for gold up in the Dandenong Mountains. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. We're talking about it. He's like, yeah, you know what's crazy? We still have to have a license. Those men literally gave their lives for the whole license situation, and a couple of hundred of years later, guess what? We're back to licenses. Freedom never truly lasts that long. Tonight, as we navigate Scripture, we're going to talk about our original position. 
When we were created, we were created to be free, right? Tonight, as we're discussing what is freedom, we are going to be discussing our original position as Christianity defines freedom. We're going to talk about what our original freedom may have been like and where we are now. So I'm going to pray really quick and then we're going to get after. Does that make sense? Cool. Before I pray, I just want to make one mention of something. I know some of you guys in here have absolutely no interest in this whole God thing at all. I know some of you in here are atheists. I know some of you in here are trying to figure it out. I know some of you in here may even be mad at God. Some of you in here are confused. I want to make a deal with you. I don't want to do anything other than take a look at the truth of God's word and present it as I believe that he has, has revealed it and illuminated it to me and to other people. I just want to present the truth of God's word. Here's the deal. I want you guys to do me a favor. I'm going to present the truth of God's word as best I know how. I want you guys to learn it as best you know how. Even if you think that this whole thing's just a crock of fooey, I want you to go out of your way to learn this. You know why? Because if you decide to be an atheist, that's, to, that's, that's totally up to you. That's fine. If you decide to pick something else, again, that ball's in your court. But I want you to make an informed decision. How many times have I had a conversation with a student who's like, I don't believe in God. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Why not? Well, X, Y, Z, or, or this, this, and that. And the things that they're telling me aren't true and aren't found anywhere in the word of God. So this week, would you go out of your way to learn as much as you can about God so you can at least make an informed decision? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and how much you love us. Lord, we come before you humbly. God, I pray that you would empty my heart. God, I pray that, pray that you would take every thought captive, God. I pour myself out before you. Lord, I pray that you would give us soft hearts and open ears. God, I pray that you would help us understand this text and that we would find your truth in it. Oh, Lord, how we love you. We need you. And we pray. Amen. Awesome. So the first thing that I want to make mention of tonight was that humanity was actually created in freedom. We're talking about what this definition of like, what is the definition of freedom? Freedom defined. Humanity was created totally free. If you flip over, which I'm not going to like think that you're going to because we got to be quick here. If you flip over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says, and this is after, this is after the creation event. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Hold on, let's read that again. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. See, the unfortunate reality is that that actually took place after the creation event, after the first sin, so they hid themselves. But what that does is, is that provides us unique insight as to what it would have been like to be the first human. You see, when humanity was created, God said, be fruitful and multiply. He said, go out and all of these things that I have created, I have given to you, Adam, and to you, Eve. There is no shame here. There are no secrets. Just go out and just do your thing. Enjoy creation as I have created it. 
I don't know if you guys are old enough to have done this before, but some, there is going to be this moment in your life and you're going to go to a theme park with your family or maybe with your school. And every other year you've gone to a theme park, you literally have to hold your mom and your dad's hand, right? Because they are terrified you're going to get kidnapped, which is fair because weird people go to theme parks. And then there's suddenly going to be this summer where you go and you're like, all right, dad, come on, let's go. And he's like, I trust you. Go, have fun, explore, explore Disneyland, explore Bush Gardens, explore King's Dominion, go for it. And you turn back and you're like, excuse me? And he's like, you know what? Here's my credit card, buy a snack. He probably won't do that. But the amount of freedom that you have there, you're like, oh my goodness, I can go on every ride over and over again. It's so exciting and freeing, and that's what it would have been like in the garden. They could eat every fruit. They could pet every animal. Animals weren't afraid of them because at that point, sin hadn't taken place, and they weren't used as what they were used for as far as sacrifices go. They could pet every animal. They could enjoy every stream and river that was in the Garden of Eden. They could do everything that was there for them to do. And God just had one thing that he wanted them to keep in mind, one thing he did want them to do. And he said, I don't want you to touch the fruit of the tree of good and evil. But when we were created, we were created in total freedom. We were given dominion over our world. Freedom looked like free communication with God. Right now in our lives, sometimes we struggle with things that are really difficult and the only thing we can do and the thing that we should do is pray. But how great would it be to go, man, I'm really frustrated with this situation in my life. I'm going to wait until 2 o'clock because that's when God comes down to Baltimore. To be able to sit across the table from Jesus himself and have a conversation with him. Because there was no sin and there was no shame, God did life with us here on earth. Freedom looked like free communication with God. Freedom looked like freely living out our purpose. Every single one of you is designed specifically. Scripture says that you were knit together in your mother's womb, which meant that before your mom even knew that you were in there, you were already being put together by God. Especially your thoughts handcrafted, your arms handcrafted, your face handcrafted, your knees handcrafted, everything handcrafted. You are exactly designed the exact way that you should be by God. Handcrafted. And because of that, we have a purpose, right? Like, like I am not built to be a contortionist or a gymnast, I am built to be a brick outhouse, right? Like I play football, not soccer. It's how God made me. I also really loathe painting, but I don't mind playing music. So when it comes to arts, you put me in the music department and not the painting department. Every single one of you have the same list of preferences, the same list of of gifts and talents, you're like, I, I don't have anything. Stop, don't be ridiculous. You have a thing. Maybe you just haven't found it yet, but you have a thing. 
And because we're living in freedom, we would have been able to freely figure out what our purpose is and then live that out. We would have been able to freely live with one another, not annoying each other. Who has a sibling? Who has at least once wished that they didn't? There's, that, there's some honesty in this room. I love that. Dude, me and my brother, me and my brother used to fight so much. There was this time that we were playing this really dumb game that involved us hiding inside of a plastic bin and the other person throwing stuff on top of the plastic bin. And, it, and, it, and we, it went from stick to basketball to baseball to brick. And the, and the brick punched right through the plastic thing and it hit my brother in the top of the head. And me and my brother used to fight so much. My dad told me as an adult, I thought you literally tried to murder your brother and I didn't know how to handle that as a father. So he's fine. We still love him. He's normal-ish. So we would be able to freely live with one another. There'd be no arguments because we're totally vulnerable with one another and totally exposed and there's no shame and there's no guilt and there's no hiding. We know exactly who each other are. The level of intimacy that we're able to have with a fellow human being would be so much greater than what we could ever hope to experience today. But here's the problem. The freedom that we were created for, the freedom that we were designed for, the freedom that you and I crave inertly from the moment that we're born, that freedom, the Christian definition of freedom as found in the book of Genesis, freedom defined, that freedom was destroyed. A snake, a serpent, came to Eve, he started asking her leading questions, trying to get her to doubt the magnitude and the authority of the Almighty God. She took the bait, so to speak. She started answering the questions. She started interacting with her. The, the, the Eve started interacting with this serpent. She was convinced. She took a bite of the fruit. Fun fact, probably wasn't an apple. Took a bite of the fruit. She gave it to her husband. He also took, he ate. And in that moment, what we see is not something as trivial as them eating a fruit, but what we see is them seeing something that God said that was not for them and out of rebellion, then taking it for themselves. The first sin is committed and then everything, everything was destroyed. If you think of anything bad in this world, you can follow it up the food chain and it's going to be because someone sinned. Followed up the food chain, someone sinned. I used to live in a town called Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania. Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania has the Sunoco jet fuel creation plant in town. Used to be like three times as big. Used to employ the whole town and all the surrounding towns. Everyone used to make plenty of money. All the houses used to be beautiful and everyone was totally cool. Well, turns out that they um, found a way to make another plant more profitable. So they just laid everybody off one day. That place went from being everyone had a job to no one had a job. When I lived there, no one had a job. Completely falling apart. There were kids that didn't have what they needed because their parents didn't make any money. The neighborhood was completely destroyed. 
There were churches that were closed because there was nobody in town anymore to go to those churches. It was really sad. Walking around Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania can be depressing if you're not looking for the right things. And you know what? Sin. The pollution that that plant put into the water, sin. The broken homes that were created out of that mess, sin. You're not getting along with your mother or your father, sin. World hunger, sin. It's all sin. Our relationship was, with each other was destroyed by sin. Our relationship with God was destroyed by sin. Our relationship with the earth itself was destroyed because of sin. So, we now stand at this juxtaposition where we were created for a freedom that was destroyed. So now, how are we to operate? We were created for something that something doesn't exist anymore. So now, what are we supposed to do? The law was given as a substitute. The law was given as a substitute. You see, in the biblical narrative, after some time passes, after sin is committed, God starts to set down a, 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 a set of laws for his people to abide by. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1a says, For since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of this realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. The true form of these realities, that means walking with Jesus. So what this passage is saying is that the law was given, and that's great and all, but it'll never be as good as the original freedom in which we were designed for. The freedom that you and I crave, freedom defined by Scripture that we cannot have again. We, we, we want it, and this law will, will, will be almost there, but it'll be, a it'll be a shadow of the real thing. It'll be fake. Now, law can seem harsh. But what's interesting is that if you read it for what it is, the law is actually quite gracious. You see, humanity had no idea how to live. Before humanity knew what wrong was, we just did all we knew, and that was good. But now that we know what evil is, and evil is something that we find to be interesting to us now, we want to do evil before good. And we can still see that today. I have a four-year-old, loving to death. I did not teach him how to talk back to me. He figured that out on his own. I did not teach him that he can sneak candy. He figured that out on his own. I didn't teach him to lie. He figured that out on his own. Evil is always more enticing than good unless we have Christ inside of us. So the law was this gracious thing given because we didn't know how to live. But the law was hard to follow. I mean, there's things in the law, like if you mess up this way, you've got to do this. If you mess up that way, you've got to do that. If it's Thursday, you've got to do it a totally different way. You can't eat this, you can't eat that. Don't touch this, touch that. Like there's all kinds of rules. It was difficult to follow. 
And here's the deal. If you do not yet have Christ in you, you live with an illusion of freedom. We live in, under the law, under the law that was given to us by Moses, by God, we live with an illusion of freedom. I mean, let's think about it. I objectively can do whatever I want, right? I mean, there's going to be consequences for it. But if I wanted to, I could just grab my wife's van and drive it through those doors and just crash into everything in here. I mean, like, there's really no one stopping me from doing that. I mean, like, think about it. Like, we all could right now, don't, don't. But we all could right now get up and walk to the pizza shop I passed on the way into town. Don't. But we could. We could objectively do these things. Now, there's going to be consequences for those things. But objectively, we could do whatever we want. And the illusion is, is that because we have access to whatever we want, we have access to the same freedom that was destroyed in the Garden of Eden. We desire freedom like Adam and Eve, but we can't get it because we're under the law and that was destroyed. So this is what we do. We live freely. And we do whatever we want. We do whatever we want. Guys, some of us in here are doing literally whatever we want. We think, I deserve this. I want to do this. And you know what? Sometimes we do it secretly. Sometimes we do it publicly. But we say, you can't tell me what to do with my life. I'm going to do what I want because I want that freedom that I was designed for, but I can't have because of what Adam and Eve did, Adam and Eve did in the garden. So we live freely. And because we live freely, sin is inevitable. When we do whatever we want, we will sin. You know how I know? Because when I do whatever I want, I will sin. And when I see my son do whatever he wants to do, he will sin. When I see every single student in our youth ministry do whatever they want, they will sin. Just like if I left the front door of my house open, my dog will escape. It is inevitable. Sin is inevitable. And when we sin and we do whatever we want, when we freely live under the law, it produces guilt, and it produces grossness, and we try to take it away, but we can't. Verse 4 says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That was making reference to the sacrifices that the nation of Israel would make to pay for their sin. And they would do that, but they would do that because they were told to, but it would only take care of today's sin. It wouldn't take care of tomorrow's sin. It wouldn't take care of yesterday's sin. It wasn't working, and we knew it wasn't working because they were going back every day to do it. They were trying to take away the guilt and the shame that they had from their sin, but they weren't able to do it. They desired freedom like we desire freedom. They couldn't get freedom. We can't get freedom because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We don't have access to freedom as defined in Scripture, but we desire it so much. So we do whatever we want. It produces this guilt inside of us because when we do something wrong, we feel bad about it. When we do something that we know intrinsically we're not supposed to do, we feel bad about it. And the unfortunate reality is, is that something I see time and time again is when we do that thing, that habitual thing that we want to do, we want to do it. 
When we do that thing and we live there, that's what produces depression, anxiety, nervousness, that guilt that lives inside of us that we can't get rid of. It makes us nervous and like we feel off center and we feel like something's wrong. So we're like, oh my goodness, this guilt that's inside of me, I have to handle it, I have to handle it. You know what we do time and time again? We turn back to the sin because when we're actively doing what we want to do, it feels good. It's fun. And when we're doing that thing, we forget how we feel. And then it's this cyclical cycle. Guilt is a shackle to sin. We sin, we feel bad, we sin to escape. We sin, we feel bad, we sin to escape. We feel bad, then we sin to escape the way that we feel. Guys, you might be in here and thinking that you are American, you live in America, you have access to freedom, you are living freely, but my question to you is what are you doing with all of that guilt that the free living is producing? Because the freedom that we have under the law is a shadow of the good things that come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. The ultimate impossibility. Guys, this is what I want you to take out of the room tonight. Free living, doing whatever you want, is false freedom because it produces a guilt that shackles you to whatever it is that you're freely doing. Doing what we want is a false freedom. Guys, humanity was designed for freedom and we chase it. Humanity was designed for freedom and we chase it. But when we do that incorrectly, it produces a guilt shame that shackles us to whatever free living that we want. And as depressing and as horrible as that sounds, there's good news here. As we continue to navigate this this week, we're going to discover that Jesus took freedom as defined in Genesis and redefined it by applying his blood to the entire situation. We're going to find out that freedom has been totally redefined. We're going to find out as we work through scripture that we are freedom bound and we are going to find out how we can live that freedom out every single day. But for those of you who are in the room tonight, I want to tell you a secret that I think you need to know. And that is right now, today, as you guys move to your small groups and you have conversations with your counselors, you can move from living freely to living in freedom by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you meet Jesus, you get access to that freedom as like back in the Garden of Eden. Your sin is totally forgiven. Scripture says that the, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I want to encourage you with this knowledge that under the law in our current circumstance with freedom as defined in scripture that we no longer have access to, me doing whatever I want to do under the law is only going to produce guilt and grossness that you can be free of all of that this evening. Ask some questions. Put your counselor aside. They're not going to press you to do anything weird. Just like, hey, What's this whole Jesus thing that Tim was talking about tonight? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and how much you love us. Lord, I pray this evening that you 
would give us the courage to accept you. If, if we've met you for the first time tonight, God, I pray that you would give us fun. God, I pray that you would help us enjoy being with all of our new friends and maybe some old ones that we remember from last year at camp. God, I pray that you would move in this camp this week. Lord, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.